Hi, I'm Alex Rubin, and you're listening to Grace to Your World, a teaching ministry focused on providing an understanding of God's grace, which will empower you to change your world and live the overcoming life. Now, to find out more about our ministry and to access other free resources, simply head to alexrubinministries.org. And with that being said, let's get into today's teaching. But I want you to know that every believer really ought to be uh, led by the Holy Spirit. In fact, let's go to um, John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 8. Um, in fact, I just want to read something. I want to read this in the message translation because I want to show you guys this thing. If you can really just catch this, that the Holy Spirit is so crucial because in the early church, you know, you read the book of, of Acts, you know, I mean, the reason the early church was thriving and was operating in the supernatural is because they were led of the Spirit. And so, and when you study the Word, it really becomes apparent that, that really every born-again believer ought to be led by the Spirit. You see, we have an issue today because we have a lot of people who are born of the Spirit, but who aren't necessarily led by the Spirit. And so in John chapter 3, I'll read verses 7 and 8 in the message. I want, this is Jesus speaking uh, to Nicodemus. And I want to really show you that what Jesus is implying here is that if you're born of the Spirit, you ought to be led by the Spirit. Now, uh, this is the message now, John's uh, Gospel, chapter 3, starting at verse 7. He says, So don't be so surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above, out of this world, so to speak. Now watch verse 8. You know well enough that the wind blows this way and that. You hear its rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. And he says, that's the way it is with everyone born from above by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. And so he's likening the Spirit of God to the wind. And in the Greek, the word used for wind is actually the same word that's translated spirit. And so the Spirit of God is really, in a sense, it's like the breath of God. You see, the, 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 the life of God is imparted into the born-again believer the very moment you're born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus is, is likening the experience of the born-again believer to the wind. In other words, the wind blows this way and that. You hear it's rustling through the trees. You have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. He's really describing what a born-again believer ought to be like in the eyes of a non-believer. In other words, there's something almost mysterious about, about a born-again believer because they're led by the Spirit. You know, you just go where the Spirit uh, tells you to go. One moment you're doing this, He might now tell you to go and do this, and you just do that. And so He's describing what a born-again believer should seem like uh, to a person who's not born again. But what I want you to really catch is this last part where He says, that is the way it is with everyone who's born from above by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. And so he's really just talking about being born again, but he's talking about being born again, and he's really implying here that a born-again person ought to be led by the Spirit. I, I hope you're catching this. He's, he says, that's the way it is with everyone who's been born of the Spirit. 
And so he doesn't go to the trouble of saying that's the way it is with everyone who's led by the Spirit because, friends, the implication is that if you're born of the Spirit, you ought to be led by the Spirit. Now, again, you don't have to be led by the Spirit in order to be saved. A uh, person who never uh, takes advantage of what the Holy Spirit has made available uh, is still going to go to heaven. If they're saved, if Jesus is their Lord, they're still going to go to heaven. But I want you to understand that without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like you got all the power and this anointing on the inside of you, and it's just sitting there, and it's just kind of dormant, you see? And so... The moment you're baptized in the Spirit, you're now filled with the Spirit, you're now led of the Spirit, you now have access to this power and this anointing that comes with the Holy Spirit. And so I pray uh, that you are receiving this today. In fact, I want you to just say, I need the Holy Spirit. I want you to say, I, I, I cannot do this on my own. I need the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said, not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. Now, just as we must understand how grace teaches us, remember, grace teaches us not intellectually. Grace teaches us because grace is alive on the inside of us. Grace is transforming us from the inside out. Amen? Grace is the Spirit of grace. And so just as we must understand how grace teaches us, so too we must understand the purpose of the law. And I've said this already, God never gave the law to save anyone, but to show us our need for a Savior. Look at Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 19. And I want to be very clear that we're not talking bad about the law. In fact, I believe that any authentic minister of the gospel will never talk bad about the law because the law was given by God. I want you to understand that the law was a revelation that Moses received directly from God. And so the law is perfect. Friends, the law is absolutely perfect. There's nothing wrong with the law, but the issue is that we're not perfect. Amen. In our fallen state, and man, man in his fallen state is not perfect. And so fallen man can never keep the perfect law that was given by a perfect God. Amen. And so the law is perfect, but we can't perform that law. In fact, I want you to know there was only ever one man who walked the face of this earth who was able to keep that law perfectly, and his name is Jesus. Amen. It really took, praise God, it really took a perfect man, praise God, to come into the earth. It really took God coming into the earth as the Son of God and to then be able to perform that perfect law. Nobody could keep that law other than God himself, other than Jesus. And so Jesus had to come into the world, perform the law for us in order to redeem us from the curse of the law. And so, <laughs> you know, the law is perfect, but the purpose of the law was never to get anybody saved. You know, this too, I'll say this also, that the law, God made that covenant of the law purely with the nation of Israel. Amen. And so that wasn't even a covenant that you or I were ever supposed to be involved in unless you, you, you're, uh, you, you come from a Jewish background. That covenant was never meant for the Gentiles. It was purely for uh, the children of Israel. Amen. So I want you to catch this. Now let's look at this some more here in uh, the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 19. He's talking about the law, and he says this. Now he says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them, who are under the law, 
And watch this. This is the purpose of the law. He says, the law speaks to the people who are under the law for the end that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. And so the law was made to show people, was really show, to, to show people their sin. Look at verse 20. He says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the law is the knowledge of, of sin. You see, the law really does three things, friends, I want you to see. The law, which is perfect, which came from God, the law of Moses does three things. It has three primary functions. One is it reveals the glory of God separate and apart from man. I've been teaching on this quite a bit. Uh, the old covenant glory versus the new covenant glory. Uh, the old covenant glory came through the law of Moses. And that's really God revealing his glory apart from man. When God reveals his glory, he's revealing his character, his nature, his majesty, praise God, his attributes. And so in the law, the perfection and the holiness of God is revealed, but it's revealed separate and apart from man. Now remember in the new covenant, the new covenant glory, this exceeding glory, this is the year of exceeding glory, praise God. We believe 2019 is going to be a year of exceeding glory. And so new covenant glory is the glory of God now shows up through the born-again believer. We become the vessels and the instruments of his glory. Yet in the old covenant, the law, because in the old covenant, man was separate, separated from God because of sin. In the new covenant, we've been reconciled to God through Christ, those of us who've received Jesus. Amen. And so the old covenant glory was God's glory separate and apart from man. And so that's one of the functions of the law. The law is perfect. It was given by a perfect God. And as a result, it reveals the glory of God, but it does so separate and apart from man. And friend, whenever the glory of God is revealed apart from man, well, that means man is, re man is revealed to fall short, and that means man is revealed to be a sinner. And so that's old covenant. Amen. If you're born again, you're not a sinner saved by grace. No, if you're born again, you were a sinner. All of us were at some point, but then you got into Christ and you became righteous. And I want you to know, now the Bible calls you a saint. And so, number one, the first thing the law does, it reveals the glory of God separate and apart from man. Number two, it reveals man's need for a savior. It's kind of like, you know, uh, it, the law sets up an impossible standard. Like, you know, here's a 50-foot wall, and God says, jump over this 50-foot wall, and then you'll be saved. Well, none of us is going to be able to make that. Amen. It, it really took Jesus, praise God, to come into the world and jump over that 50-foot wall, so to speak. Amen. And so Jesus is the only one who could keep that law. And so the law reveals our need for a Savior. The, the law reveals our need for Jesus. And uh, the third thing the law does is, and I won't be able to really teach on this today for time's sake, but the third thing the law does is it uses types and shadows to paint a picture of spiritual reality. This is huge. This is important for people to understand that the law uses types and shadows to paint a picture of spiritual reality. In other words, everything in the law is a type and the anti-type is found in Christ. Everything in the law is a shadow 
and the reality is found in Christ. What do I mean? The animal sacrifice in the Old Covenant was a type and shadow, and uh, the reality, of course, is the, uh, the atonement of Christ. In other words, it's Jesus shedding his blood. Amen. Uh, in the same way, the tabernacle, the way the tabernacle was set up in the Old Covenant is actually a picture of the born-again believer because how many know in this New Covenant we've become the temple of God. Amen. God dwells with us. And so in the tabernacle, they had the outer court, they had the holy place, and then they had the holiest of holies where God would dwell. Well, the outer court in the born-again believer is, is your body. The holy place is, is your mind. It's your soulish area. And uh, the holiest of holies is, is your born-again spirit where God dwells. Because remember, man is spirit, soul, and body. And so that was, a, that was a picture that was painted when God gave the instructions for the uh, tabernacle. And the other thing we want to understand, again, also types and shadows, is that the real enemies of Israel were actually the spirits that were influencing those nations that were coming against Israel. And again, I'll teach on this some more in the future uh, because sometimes people have a hard time understanding, you know, under this old covenant, how could God have given Israel instructions to go and kill uh, uh, these other nations that they were fighting against? Well, the real enemies weren't really those people. It was the spirits that they were being influenced by. But the issue was this, that at that particular time, it was not yet, it was not yet possible for anybody to get born again. You see, man's nature couldn't be changed. It took Jesus coming into the world in order to, uh, to make it possible for people to get born again and to receive a new nature. And so, and so in other words, those, those nations, those people they were fighting were lost already. They were already serving Satan. And so there was no way to save them. And so since there was no way to save them, and uh, as a result, the only way for Israel to overcome them was, was really in some cases to wipe them out. You see, and so there's some certain harsh things that you might see in the Old Testament, but you begin to understand what's happening there when you understand the spiritual reality that's really going back of that. In other words, uh, let me be very clear, you know, that happened. In other words, that's, you know, that it's, we're not saying that uh, when, you, when we talk about the Old Covenant being types and shadows, uh, that doesn't mean that it didn't, didn't happen. No, that's history. It's actual history that happened. Those are historical events. But God set it up in a way that everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Covenant points to a spiritual reality. Amen. And in fact, now we're in Christ. We don't have types and shadows anymore. In other words, we're not under any rituals anymore because we have the reality that is Christ. I pray you're catching this. Amen. And so uh, in this new covenant, people aren't our enemy. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that our real enemy is a spiritual enemy. Amen. And so, and, you know, someone might say, Alex, I don't know about that. If you knew some of the people I have to deal with. Amen. <laughs> but friend, now I want you to understand that no matter what the people you got to deal with, you want to understand that in reality, in this new covenant, people are never your enemy. It's the spirits that are influencing those people. And you see, now what we do is we can point people to Jesus. Now, you know, you don't go and, 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 and kill, uh, you know, enemies the way they did in the Old Covenant because now those people can get born again. They can receive salvation. They can receive the new nature. Amen. And so I just want to kind of hint at that today and I'll, I'll teach on this some more because this is really important to, to understand. Let's finish off today with um, 
2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 17 and 18. I want to just kind of get down really now to, to the essentials. How do we go about this? You know, we've, we've seen we're not under the law. We're not to try to follow the letter. It's not about performing to try to get right with God. And so how does transformation happen? You know, how do we, the Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by, by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, how do we, practically speaking, go about living in this? Look at this now. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 uh, verse 17 says this. He says, he says, now the Lord is that spirit. Stop right there. Who is the Lord? That's Jesus. Amen. We know that's Jesus. Now he's saying, now the Lord is that spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're one. You know, we understand it's not different entities we're talking about. It's one God, amen? One God manifesting as Father. One God manifesting as Son. One God manifesting as the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says, now the Lord is that Spirit. And so in other words, friends, the person of grace and the Spirit of grace are inseparable. And so if you give your life over to the Lord, you ought to also now give your life over to the Holy Spirit. A born-again person ought to be led by the Holy Spirit. He says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That verse has been quoted in a lot of different ways, but uh, if you read this in context, and one of these days we might look at these, this entire third chapter of Second Corinthians in context, you'll see in context that what he's talking about is that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty from the law of Moses. Remember, the Holy Spirit has taken the place of the law. You're not under the law because you got the Holy Spirit, you got the Spirit of grace teaching you, guiding you, working on the inside of you. And so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty now. Verse 18, watch this. He says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass or as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, praise God, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, praise God, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Friends, this is exceeding glory. This is this new covenant glory I've been talking about. This is where we, praise God, become the very instruments and the very vessels of the glory of God. In other words, as we just behold Jesus, man, it's all about Jesus. So we just behold Jesus. You know, we learn to see Jesus. The more our attention is on Him, the more the Spirit of grace is working on the inside of us. And what He's doing is He's transforming us into the same image. He's transforming us into the same image, the image and likeness of Jesus. You become more and more like Jesus as you behold Him. You know, this is true even in the natural. Whatever you put your attention on, um, you're going to become more like that. <laughs> you know, that's why it's important uh, that you are selective with, with who you're spending your time with. The people you spend your time with the most, well, you're actually going to become more and more like those people, you see. Now, the same thing is true in the Spirit. Behold Jesus. Behold Jesus. 
You see, the law was all about holding ourselves, amen? Because when I'm performing to try to be right with God, well, my attention is all on me. It's about, I got to do this, you know, I got to work hard, I got to sweat, and hopefully, you know, if I do all this, then God is going to do that. Well, no, 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 no. Just behold Jesus. Behold Jesus. Put your attention on Jesus. Look at this verse 18 in the Amplified. Well, I'll read it. I'll read, I'll read it in the Amplified. He says, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the Word of God. And so, by the way, how you behold Jesus is through His Word. <laughs> you behold Jesus through the Word of God. And so being led by the Spirit doesn't replace getting into the Word. We still get into the Word. In fact, we're led by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Amen. We were led by the Holy Spirit through the Word. And so he says, we continue to behold in the Word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And he says, we're constantly being transfigured or transformed into His very own image, praise God, in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Friends, I pray you're catching this today. I really feel God is saying, stop working so hard. Stop sweating to try to be pleasing to me or, or to try to get me to do something. No, just behold my son. Just behold Jesus. In other words, you get into the Word, and, and every time you get into the Word, you, you see Jesus in His Word. You see Him everywhere in His Word, and, and as you're seeing Him in the Word, friend, it's like you're looking into a mirror, because when you see Him in the Word, man, you're seeing who you are in Him. His glory starts to come into your life, and what happens is that we now become these vessels and these instruments of His glory. This is what we're talking about. Old Covenant was the glory of God apart from man, the letter, the law, New Covenant, Jesus. And as we behold Jesus, we become partakers of His glory because we behold Him, Holy Spirit is now working in us. He's transforming us into His image, into His likeness. And so, very practically speaking, what do we go and do? You know, I, I'm not going to give you the next 10 keys to follow, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with principles and, and practical steps to take. But what I'm going to leave you with today is behold Jesus. Behold Him in His Word. Fellowship with Him through His Holy Spirit. Remember, the person of grace, Jesus, and the Spirit of Grace, the Holy Spirit, are inseparable. And so a born-again person ought to be led by the Holy Spirit. Behold Jesus. And as you're beholding Him, He's working on the inside of you. Somebody says, Alex, what about my performance? I keep falling short in this one area. That's okay. Just, just keep beholding Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's all right. Just keep beholding Him. He's going to help you with that. You see, the more you behold Him, the more your attention is on Him the less your attention is on, on how you fall short and, and you see the perfection of Jesus and, and now the Holy Spirit, He can, he can turn you into that. He, he can turn you into what you're seeing, amen? And so, supernatural breakthrough happens by beholding Jesus. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Alex Rubit. You have been listening to Grace to Your World. To learn more about our ministry and to access the full-length audios of this and other teachings, simply head to alexrubitministries.org. For information on how to become a Grace Vision partner or to make a gift of any amount to our ministry, go to alexrubitministries.org forward slash give. Now I pray you continue to see God's grace manifesting richly in your life. I look forward to talking to you again on our next podcast.